Hey, Dan. Yo, what's up, Ed? Hey, did you see this thing that happened in Kansas? I didn't. No, check it out. I just actually, I just sent it to you. Okay, hold on. I gotta click, go into email, and find the. Oh, uh, what the f- Welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. My name is Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Schwester. And today we are going to talk about... <laughs> uh, it's another of our famous What the Actual episodes where we look at EMS issues. Like, just fuck it. Why? Why? What happened? Like, I, I, I can't even hide this anymore. What? Dear Lord, what? How do some people think? But anyway, All let's right, get so, into so, this. Okay, first of all... The opinions that Dan and I have are our own, and the opinions that we have do not represent our employers or any other facility other than Overrun Productions, LLC. For God's sake, I don't want to hear anything about this. Let's talk about Sedgwick County. Don't come at us with this. Yeah, so Sedgwick County in uh, Kansas is a fairly large EMS system. Um, They're Fairly progressive. They're a pretty progressive system, Um, and their uh, medical director, uh, Dr. John Gallagher, is actually a member of one of the Eagles Coalition. for the record, before we get into this, these are people that Dan and I have met and generally have great respect for. This is just one incidence that someone fucked up pretty badly, but it deserves to be called out. So, Oh, boy. Here we go. Where so, to begin? Where, where to start? So Sedgwick County, essentially. So this is the overview of the story. We'll get into a little bit more detail afterward. Essentially, what ended up happening was there's now an investigation that's happening in Sedgwick because there was... Uh, a, a cardiac arrest, which was uh, secondary to a suicide attempt, that was pronounced on scene. Um, sort so of. F- so far, not weird. Uh, but what was weird was this patient went ahead and, uh, you know, lived for another 11 and a half hours. And yeah, kind was, of a problem with was, pronouncing a patient is alive. that you really want to make sure they're alive. dead. And then the other thing is... Uh, this one apparently was not. Was not. And the question that some may have, uh, was this Lazarus? Was he resurrected? No, no. he was never dead. Um, and uh, in fact, there's some reports. And again, this is all just stuff that we're getting from the, the press and the media that's been out there. Uh, specifically, this is from the Wichita Eagle. And uh, apparently the patient uh, was making sounds after he had been pronounced, which is pretty yeah, cool. Let, let's go into the case. Sorry, I, I want to I I check this. I said 11 and a half hours. It's actually 10 and a half hours. But OK, first of all, this is starting to blow up on social media. Um, people are starting to know this. Um, over on EMS on Twitter. Over on EMS on Twitter, over on Productions on Instagram. But, <laughs> you know, why would we do that? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. This is really a problem because this really goes to what, you know, again, this is what the actual, so what the actual fuck was going on in this? Um, apparently, this was a gunshot suicide. Um, you know, uh, as we know, gunshot to the head. Apparently... Uh, not a survivable injury, not a vi- you know, but the patient wasn't dead yet. I mean, this, there's a big difference here. This this is not a patient that you, um, you know, that we see on scene and the patient's asystolic and there's no, you know, there's a catastrophic wound and, you know, there's no pulse, no breathing, no, no effort. That's a, this is a different story. So, Ed, go into the details. I'd love to. So, one of the problems that I have with this particular case is 
specifically, this is a the director of Wichita County is a, or of Sedgwick County rather uh, in Wichita. He is he's a good physician. Sure. Like like just I don't want this to turn into, you know, like, oh, they came after bread. That's not what this is at all. No, no, no. Even even the best clinicians and the best providers can have bad days. So I'm not taking that away, but this is a bad day that was entirely avoidable and has really no bearing in reality. You actually like this should have been handled 100 percent different differently. So the story is that there's a 31 year old man who shot himself just before 1230 p.m. And this is in June of 2019. So this isn't a new thing. This is just released and it's being investigated now. He was uh, apparently really close to this hospital that uh, they were dispatched to. So the Wichita Fire, Wichita Fire Department um, was on scene within two minutes. And then Sedgwick County EMS arrived two minutes later. So this is four minutes from the actual shooting. Right. Right. And again, this is the afternoon. So this is saying a lot. that They're actually able to get out there in that type of timeline. So mm-hmm. a medic from Wichita Fire Department said the man had no pulse and was not breathing despite signs of labored breathing body camera footage would later reveal, according to the Kansas EMS board. Now, after one round of CPR, they said they found a pulse. Body camera footage indicated the patient continued to breathe for the duration of the incident. So then what happened was a Sedgwick County medic who was the on-scene uh, care team leader started seeking advice from their medical director, Dr. John Gallagher. And he called uh, seven minutes after the actual shooting. Right. So this is a call for a pronouncement. So far, um, so good. So far, so good, right? We're on board. Gallagher then said that the patient, he was told that rather that he had no pulse with snoring respirations and he was still breathing. And after consulting with Gallagher, he decided that he was going to stop providing treatment. The injury was incompatible with survival, Dr. Gallagher said, which is you know probably true. And then uh, after the paramedic correctly identified that there was going to be no change in outcome to the for transport of the hospital, he thought the scenario with him, or he went through the scenario with him and confirmed that he was correct. Now, this is actually, the, the quote is, quote, and the paramedic correctly identified that there was going to be no change in outcome for transport to the hospital, and there's an ellipsis, and then I went through the scenario with him and confirmed that he was correct, end quote. After 10 minutes, uh, the, the medic called Dr. Gallagher again, reporting that he had a strong pulse, and then this went through, so, you know, Gallagher said he might not survive the injury, but he might be theoretically find himself on the ventilator and going for organ donation, blah, blah, blah. So this kind of kept going, and then apparently it uh, looks like about f- at 12.45, so this is looking at, uh, what, we're about an hour into it now, 15 minutes after the call went through. Yeah. Um, and there's a really interesting timeline on uh, on this newspaper's website that we'll put in the show notes. So at 12.45, the director said that the medical director said the patient was kind of a code black, which is going to be a pronouncement. His injuries have determined to be unsurvivable and notes the time of treatment where uh, there's no treatment that would have worked. Right. So we go through all this. They said the patient can be heard mo- like groaning loudly during this and he's moving his head. So this goes on for several minutes. And <sighs> then 22 minutes later, there's another phone call to Dr. Gallagher. So essentially, the, the concern was that the patient, the appearance of the patient, he was suffering, even though, you know, we knew that he wasn't because he actually had a gunshot to the head. Then he was asked to give a dose of 500 milligrams of ketamine. So then eventually this is and this is where it starts to get weird and really upsetting. Dr. Gallagher. So- Go ahead. We pronounced him, but, but we're still we? treating him. Well, right. So we've determined that his injuries are incompatible with life, but he's not dead yet. And that's where it starts getting kind of interesting. So okay. this and this is where things all go sideways, because this sounds like an, a typical pronouncement that we've all done a million times. Right. We know this is there, but essentially what it comes down to is this patient has a pulse. Patients with a pulse go to the hospital. We don't leave them at home. We just don't agree. That's not how that's supposed to be. So. They went through this whole thing, and essentially the doctor shows up on scene, and then at uh, 
2.10 p.m., after about one and a half hours after the shooting, Gallagher asked EMS and the Wichita Fire Department to leave the man with Wichita police and, quote, gave instructions to call him when the patient concluded dying. Wichita police officers, quote, stated they were not comfortable doing so and returned to their vehicles, according to an investigation, and then they had the EMTs stay with the man. Okay, then, hold on. Yep. If the cops aren't comfortable with staying... Something's really something, wrong. Some, something's amiss. Okay, so this is ridiculous. So the doctor clears the call at two twenty p.m. and then at around three o'clock. Now again, this started at twelve fifteen. So now we're almost three hours into this incident with um, a hospital down the street. With a hospital that's down the street, literally two minutes away. Oh, good. Yeah. So there's no change in the vital signs. Um, there was discussion about, I guess, uh, when the, when they were going to begin patient care, and then the, the medics were called were told to call back in an hour if the condition didn't change. So finally, hospice was called at four or five p.m. They couldn't treat the patient because they didn't have the family's permission. And they also Wait, hospice? Any, yeah, they called hospice. They called a hospice team at four or five o'clock, four or five p.m. Oh uh, boy! The hospice team gets to this patient at around five p.m. At five eleven. Uh, there was a call that said, quote, the patient was again moaning loudly and that he worried the moaning would distress the audience outside, end quote. He asked to administer another 500 milligrams of ketamine, quote, because the, the patient... audience... The audience. Out outside. Outside. So they were asked to administer another 500 milligrams of ketamine, quote, because the patient was not being managed as far as pain control. Now, to be clear, this man has a bullet that's gone through his head. <laughs> so... I I'm sorry, I'm laughing, <laughs> but Jesus... So like this is the, and this is the last part. This is where it gets really bananas. Said that there was concern because there was. Oh wait, it gets worse. I know it gets worse. Yeah. So there were several people standing outside, and they want to make sure the patient was comfortable while in their presence. So they're worried about the patient's comfort now. And then after the five, dead guy, after five hours, the guy who was after, dead. After five hours, after five hours, the guy after two Lord of the after two Lord ceased, of the Rings films, two Lord of the Rings films. The patient was covered in a white sheet, and even though he was still alive and carried down the apartment stairs to the ambulance, he died at the hospital at 11.05 p.m., according to his autopsy, 10 hours and 39 minutes after the initial 911 call. 10 hours and 39 minutes this man suffered and then was left. I mean, he was he was treated. But he was treated at home. Now, before we get into this whole rant about everything and how annoyed we both are about this, for what it's worth, I am 100% on board with a patient who is terminally ill being directed to a hospice center or being directed to hospice care at home. I have no problem with that at all. If I No, but, I agree. I have no issue with that. I have no problem with taking hospice and putting them into a pre-hospital environment. I also think that pre-hospital can do hospice. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. So I, I have no issue with that part. The issue, that I, the part that I have a problem with is that someone shot himself in the fucking head and no one said he should go to the hospital. No, like, at no point in this call was that a conversation that seems to have occurred according to reporting yeah, from the Wichita Eagle. In defense... We don't have the medical control records. I'm sure there's the variables tape. we don't know about. Um, there's stuff we don't know about. But, sure. but, but to be honest, I mean, 
for the love of God, at some point, don't you want to just get back in service? This is really not what we're prepared for. Most the imagine vast... imagine sitting on scene doing fuck all for three hours. I I'm... I don't even like doing that for three minutes. Fair point. I mean. I get where they're going. Listen, I'm not going to slam them totally. I, I have my own issues with this whole thing because I've been following this in the news. The first thing I'm going to say is I, I understand the need for palliative care. And I understand that we can probably do it if we have the abilities pre-hospitally and with the guidance of a medical director. And I think that's appropriate. And again, that's not even the debate we're having. But that's not the debate here. The fact is, the first thing I'm thinking when I see something like this is, no, I'm not going to save this person. But I may save seven people if I can keep them physiologically in a state where they're a good organ donor and the family can make that decision. And that was a conversation that was had and they just didn't do that. To a hospital that was down the street. Yeah. And and suffice to say, listen, treating a patient who's an organ donor is a complicated thing. You have to keep them physiologically in certain parameters. Sure. It's a lot of work to get them to the point where they're going to be able to give that gift of life. But so like, this is but, not something a paramedic can do on goddamn scene. No, but the other thing is, I I don't give a shit that he was an organ donor. I don't care. You were on scene for three hours with a shooting, and you have a hospital that's down the street. Like I, I, In, in I what there's world a pl- are you not... Now, Listen, now, so I think there's is, a point where you say, hey, look, we got to go. Right. Now, this is where the, the conversation and the debate kind of gets uh, a little bit more nuanced. Um, I, I tend to think that the medics on scene should have said something. Should have been like, hey, we're, we should probably take him to the hospital. The medics that were there asked for consults from the doctor. Right. They received treatment parameters. But it, and I'm, I'm just going according to this reporting. I'm happy to be wrong if we are, please let us know. But it appears that the medics were just like, no, nah, that seems fine. Let's do that. It'll stop. It'll stop. He's going to die eventually. Like, they thought he was going to die sooner than he did, and it just turned into a much longer thing. And it turned out that he just didn't. Yeah. Which, you know, At which point, happens. okay, but it's time to go to the goddamn hospital. To be clear. To be clear. That is down the street. Right down the street. Yeah. Okay. That being said. So those are the, that's kind of the big thing that that happened with this. We've been discussing this uh, off air for a while, and it's it's fairly frustrating. So Dan, what are some things that we can do to avoid this type of nonsense? Okay, well, first and foremost, I I, I think, and I, I'm just going to say this: this is something that if you if you've ever been a paramedic student that I've precepted, when I take you on pronouncements, it's kind of a tongue in cheek thing. But if you're going to pronounce somebody dead, make sure they're fucking dead. Yeah, the whole warm and dead thing, like no. You're taught in the if beginning. there's a if there's a debate, if we have to have a discussion whether they're dead or not, then we're not pronouncing the patient. We well, just right. don't and like, have and, that option. And death is a binary function, right? You either are or are not. Like the lights, either on, yeah, like or there's it's off. there's no middle ground to it. You're not like I mean, this isn't Schrodinger, yeah, <laughs> right. They're this either, isn't. They this isn't it, like it's not. The, they're not. It's not the Princess Bride. You're not mostly dead. I'm willing to bet this guy wasn't willing to stay alive for true love. So, oh, <laughs> you know, I, it's so. Let, okay. So let's uh, we'll get into. But, but, like, so that's the first thing. Yep. Make sure they're dead. And if they're not, understand that. Yes. Look, 
you're not going to find anybody that's a bigger advocate for paramedicine than me. I'm on Twitter and I'm literally sticking my foot in my mouth on a weekly basis saying, yeah, paramedics can do that. Sure, we can. Even though I know that most of us go to school for nine months and we spend two hours in an ER and, you know, now all of a sudden we're paragods. This is palliative care is a specialty. It's a medical specialty. It is something that involves a lot of different moving parts. We don't have it yet. We don't have that ability in the vast majority of places. I probably work in one of the most more progressive places clinically. We can talk all you want offline. You want to come at me about, you know, mother may I and all the other stuff. I I can hear the I can hear it. But the fact is, is my formulary is big. My medical director is great. My medical control physicians give us what we give us a wide latitude to do things clinically. I wouldn't do this because I don't have the tools to keep this person comfortable and help them with the dying process. And I don't know. I don't have a CT scanner. I don't know what the parameters of this injury are. I'm looking from the outside and listen, there's always that apocryphal story of the guy who got shot in the side of the head and the bullet went around the inside of their skull and rattled around and came out their ear or some other goddamn mm-hmm. place. We don't know. We can't make this call. Yeah. The call is support airway, breathing, circulation. Yes. Is this a catastrophic injury? By all accounts, probably. Is this person going to survive in any way, shape, or form? Probably not. And they may be an organ donor, they may not be, but it's not our call to make right now. I have checked for an organ donor card exactly zero times in my career. Never have. I've never, I don't care. I Listen, and I think that organ donation is vitally important. I've kept it, listen, I'll keep it in the back of my head because I've been in this situation. Sure. I've had this case, okay, and my thing is like, okay, intubate, we're going to medicate, we're going to do the things, we're going to support circulation, yep. we're going to keep this person you know, where they need to be physiologically. And then somebody else is going to make the call on what right. we well, do. And th- but that's the thing. I'm not making treatment decisions based on whether or not they're an organ donor. No, no, not at all. Like that's sound- I'm not saying like, that. I'm saying yeah. them. I'm saying that we keep them as physiologically appropriate as we can until somebody makes the decision with the information that they have yeah. that that's not feasible for that patient. Which, frankly, describes the job of pre-hospital medicine. Yeah. At all stages is keeping people alive until you're done with them. Yeah. Um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Layla Dirch Anderson. If anyone uh, knows Layla, give her a give her a shout. We'll send her some merch. She actually resigned from Sedgwick County EMS in protest uh, after a couple months after this incident happened, saying, quote, for one, if the patient has a pulse in their breathing, they should probably go to the hospital. And for two, you just don't leave someone there for hours until they die. End quote. So we do have someone who actually resigned in protest. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive. We don't that doesn't happen a lot in our industry. No. Um, and credit to that person for following their conscience. Um, I think this is a really tough thing. And I think here's the thing. I don't think the intention here was malicious. No. But I think it's an astonishingly bad judgment. No. And th- but listen, there's a fine line between like never attribute to malice what can be attributed to, you know, negligence or stupidity. Or ignorance. So I don't I don't know that these people were like, yeah, I can't wait to watch this guy die in front of me for 12, uh, 10 hours. Oh, God. No. I don't think that's what the case is at no. all. But I think this is a systemic failure from the top down. And where the issue starts coming in is because, again, as we tend to see in global politics or national politics, you see that the proletariat and the workers are getting negatively affected by it. And the people that make the decisions are not. Is it was it a matter of hubris? 
Was it the belief that they could do just as good as the facility they were going to bring them to and make the same decisions and do the same things? And is that a danger in our job that sometimes so I, I've come to the point. Listen, I'm starting to come around on this. I used to think when I was young, when I was a younger medic, I used to think like I was I could do everything the emergency department did. I could do everything the ICU did. I don't know why I needed them. But here's the reality. I'm limited. I think yep. it was that Dunning-Kruger thing. Like, I really realized that there's a point at which I have abilities to make interventions that can do good things. I also have a, a limit to those abilities because of my equipment or because of the scope of practice or whatever you want to call it. There's a point where we run out of magic. Yeah. So I, I got to say, I, I've seen Dr. Gallagher speak um I, I do have, you know, this isn't a, a lack of respect for him as a provider or as a physician. This is one very significant failure that sh people should be held accountable for. No, and we can't down. discount that maybe, just maybe, he was led the wrong way by the medics. Uh, yeah, maybe. Because yeah. that's a possibility because yeah. that has awesome. happened. And, and as a former clinical person, I can tell you there are times where the medical control call and the report mm -hmm. and the and the chart are a lot different. Well, so here's where it gets interesting. And is, that's not a good thing. Right. And this is why we talk about, like, you have to be careful when you're charting. Got to make sure that what you did is what you wrote down, because the only reason that this came out is because people analyzed the body cam footage from the police officers who were on scene. Ooh. So that's how this happened. There, it seems that there was a suit that was brought. And then during discovery, they found these videos and police have body cameras now. And we, you know, we've talked about and should, should, should EMS and medics HIPAA, have body folks. cameras. And they're not. Yeah, they don't have the same requirements that we do. So this is the thing where, like, you it, it's 2021, man. Everyone's got a camera. You're going to be seen. You just have to do the right thing at all available opportunities. So after this, um, I don't know, I'm going to call it a nightmare. Come yeah, let's, let's get to the next like, part of this because so, this is where I want to go off. Yeah, so this is where now we have a whole bunch of people that are involved with this call being disciplined. Um, the chief paramedic who was on scene, uh, it seems that the, he's been his certification has been revoked. So that's the person that was running the call. Mm -hmm. That's a, the medic who made calls to medical command um, and all that stuff. And again, this all this stuff is, is you know, it, this is public information. Team leader slash shot caller or whatever. We're not going to. Yeah. I don't I don't want to drop too many names. No, we're not dropping names. Um, I already dropped a couple. So well, <laughs> um, aside from so, the ones that are in the news. Yeah. yeah. So, so these, we have, these clinicians haven't been identified in the media and we're not we're going to leave it that way. Uh, sure. So. All right, so there's one who's lost his cert. There was another who was involved that had a 60-day suspension. Uh, there's another that has a $200 fine and recommended to take a course and pass a test on local protocols. Oh, boy. Uh, there's one, a 90-day suspension, and another class in an exam. And then we have a 60-day suspension for uh, the other EMTs who failed to provide adequate care in the first few minutes they were on scene because I guess they weren't doing compressions. What about Dr. Gallagher? Oh, Interesting. Um, there's no mention of the medical director receiving any discipline for this. See, it's interesting because I have a story and in, in Kansas.com. So, yeah, this is the Wichita Eagle article. So uh, I'm at one of the last lines of it is in a 2019 interview, Gallagher defended his decision not to take the man to the hospital. So and this is quoting, I don't think it would have been the right thing to do to simply load him up and throw him to the hospital. He said, quote, and they correctly believe that what he needed was end of life care. End quote. Again. I don't disagree that this patient needed end-of-life care. I do disagree to them sitting with him for three hours just hoping for him to eventually die. No, I agree with that. 
I think it's I, I, I think this person again, this person needed palliative care. The best place to do that is in the emergency department with physician and nursing support. I don't think this was something that you do at the house. This isn't this isn't giving somebody an amp, a, a thing a D10 and going your merry way afterwards. This is this is way different. Um so here's where I want to go off on this. Well, I just I, I do I do want to dovetail just real quick on this because Ooh. something something that's interesting is that I'm quivering no, with anticipation. Nowhere in these articles does it say it just says that this the man had shot himself in the head. The patient has not been identified because it was a suicide. Sure. But it doesn't say the extent of the injury. It doesn't. So when he shot himself in the head, we don't know the trajectory of the bullet. We like frankly, this we is don't what, know the caliber. This is we don't we know the we don't, we don't know, know the ballistics. Right. We don't know fair, if this injury point. was survivable. Now, quality of life is a different debate. Right. Mm-hmm. So and the reason I say we don't know it's survivable is that it appears that the the providers that were on scene felt that there the patient was not salvageable. Listen, it, it had all, to be a big enough wound that sure. people are going, nope, this ain't yeah. gonna happen. Right. We had, and we've all had those patients where you're just like, you're you're Marvin. You, you, yeah. Right. We've all you know, had that. Whatever. You're gonna need a new head. We're, we we're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brain transplants. No, this is <laughs> not a thing that's happening. You know. Um but my issue is that it's not like a tire. If, if he died if the patient died ten hours and thirty nine minutes after his initial suicide attempt, I think it's a valid debate to say that his injuries may have been survivable. You know, I think if you stay alive for that long after you shot yourself in the head, there's probably a potential that you may survive the injury. Now, if we if you want to have the debate about quality of life after the injury, I'm happy to have that. But it's not this is where it turns into like it's not up to us to decide whether or not you get to live because of what we perceive what your quality of life is going to be. That's not our job. Like you have an alive patient who's very critically injured. I don't know that we can injured. even make that prognosis. We don't have the tools. Now here's and here's the thing. I don't think that the providers on scene thought that the patient would live for ten and a half more hours, right? Like I don't think they were able to divine that information. Mm. But I do think like after ten and a half hours, you know, I I have to think that there would be a time where like, what if we went to the hospital though? You know, and this, yeah. and again, that I I hope I hope that that's what happened. But that's it's just not in the reporting. And we so we just don't know. No, we don't. And it's a suicide and it's an ongoing investigation. So we're not going to get that information either. That's a fair point. I, that's that's just me. I, I don't I, I I am perpetually uncomfortable with the idea of this man living for ten and a half hours post on a floor bullet hole to the brain on a floor on a floor covered in a sheet. And I, I'm presuming in pain. I, I think it's like, and th- this, yeah, this is a, we, d- we don't know. We don't know what this guy felt. We don't know. And the reason we don't know what he felt was because he was allowed to sit on the floor for 10 and a half fucking hours. <laughs> like that, that's insane to me. It, it's, it's a little insane. It's, it's a lot insane. It, it's a, it's, it's a persistently bad judgment and it's a, you know, it's almost that like sunk cost fallacy. Like I think they figured they were into this far enough that to pull out maybe wasn't the right thing, but you know, I run into th- that situation where I found that pulling out was not the right thing. Ooh. Yeah, see, it's fun. It's fun because we have it's an explicit fun. warning Cause, cause, yeah, on yeah, the show. We did. I did that. Yeah. I made I made a joke. So here's what here's what's really <laughs> bugging me. I'm not you even wanna, sorry about that. So I'll just I'll keep look, talking about Anybody can make a mistake. Systemic failures can occur. Um here's what's really 
annoying. And this is, again, I'm not looking to see people burn for anything. No. And the whole That's idea the of point. what the We're actual not to get listen, the whole in idea trouble. of these episodes is not to get see people lose their certs no. or their licenses, but we want you to think like Jesus. If I if I was in this situation, what's the what's the best thing to do here? The best thing to do was say he's still breathing, he has a pulse. We're out of options here. We need to medicate him, mm-hmm. which I'm totally fine with. Sure. Absolutely, give yeah. this guy pet- ketamine. Take him to the damn hospital and let him get imaged. Let his family come in. Let him be in a bed and let him, you know, if he needs palliative care, comfort care, that's the place to do it. We don't have the tools to do it. So here's here's where I'm really this is where I'm really my mind's exploding on. So we talked about that this is two years ago and these people have been sanctioned and you heard and you went down through the list of all the paramedics, everybody with an EMS certification, every clinician got sanctioned either fined revoked whatever except for the one who quit in protest stand strong that's fine what about the medical director who what about dr gallagher who by all accounts he was actually on the scene he was the one calling the doc calling talking to the paramedics on scene giving them the orders and he was aware of this the whole time and not one time does this guy say hey guys I get where you're going with this, but I don't think this is going to work out. I think we need to take them across down the street. And just for what and where and why is he not getting sanctioned? We're in it like there's a thing in the military you'll hear guys talk about. It's called different spanks for different ranks. Right. And it means basically if you're an enlisted guy, you're you're a 19 year old moron, private first class. And you do the same thing that, an, you know, that somebody else, you're not going to get held to the same standard that an officer or an NCO is. Okay. Or you might get hold, held to worse. I think it's the other way around. Don't forgive me. I didn't serve, but whatever. But here we have a case of different spanks for different ranks. Here it is, the rank and file paramedics, the guys who are taking the, the guys and girls, because there's probably, you know, both genders, who took the, who took the call who were there asking for guidance from their physician, got hammered. But the guy who was the ultimate shot caller, the guy who trained the guy who told them the standards, and the guy who helped them to continue this situation, has not been sanctioned by either the state EMS board or the state medical board. Right. And And I've got a huge problem with that. No, and that that is the problem. I think that... A lot of times, and certainly during you know my education, um, I, I was taught that you're still you're not an autonomous body, but you are autonomous in your decision making. And I think one of the important things to remember is like even if your medical director tells you to do something, if it is wrong, you're still the one who's going to get in trouble. You if will. Be. If your medical director tells you to give four grams of ketamine, and you give it. And your patient dies. I will guarantee you somebody's going to come back to you and say, you knew that was yeah, wrong. Why you will lose you your that? cert and, like, frankly, probably go to jail for attempted murder. Like, because <laughs> someone's going to because someone's gonna ask you, they're like, well, why did, at what point in your career have you given four grams of ketamine? And you're going to say, well, never. And they'll say, well, why was it we had We had a case like this locally where we had paramedics who got sanctioned for a perimortem C-section. Yeah. And this they, was a big deal. This was a huge area. thing. A big deal. And no names, no places, obviously. But basically, it was a cardiac arrest, actively pregnant female with a viable. Yeah, she fetus. was. Uh, I think she was like thirty-three. I don't know what weeks. the number. I'm not even getting into it. Old, old, but, and old right. enough. Uh, lo- 
old long enough, enough far to, enough along far enough along that the child was viable or the fetus was viable they were directed by their online medical control physician and talked through the procedure let's just let's just take a moment to appreciate that there were two paramedics that were advised by the medical director over the telephone how to perform a c-section and it was on the side of a highway just i believe that's what it just, was just so we're clear the bottom line uh, and it doesn't matter what the situation is the bottom line in the situation was no the two i'm actually got, i'm the actually got hammered that's the thing. i'm actually impressed at their ability to do it oh yeah it, i don't know that it was the right thing to do the medics the medics got hammered you didn't hear a word about the doctor right the doctor who gave the orders is still practicing and the two paramedics uh you and, know aren't yeah so and the other thing that i, I want to point out and this is reporting and, that's, and that's bullshit Absolutely. That's flat out freaking bullshit. The person who gives the orders should be as responsible as the person who's executing them. This is reporting from KWCH 12, and this is in Wichita, because the question may come up, well, if the patient had a pulse, perhaps it was a low pulse. Maybe it was a, you know, that like that agonal pulse of like four beats per minute, and you're like, get there. No, his heart rate was 140 beats per minute. Yikes. So that's like, this is some, again, he... Everything Yikes. about this says that this may, underlined, italicized, this may have been a horribly tragic yet survivable injury. And that, like at some point it's a decision, right? At some point you make a decision, yeah. I'm not going to save this person. Right. And at what point does that become, like I'm, I'm not even, like this is getting beyond clinical care and ethics, like, at what point does that become, like, a moral problem, a moral quandary of just being like, well... well uh, here's the, que- here's the question that bothers me. At what point does this become a legal mandate? They they cared for the patient, but did they care for the patient? Did they do what they should have done? I, it, it appears not. I mean, <laughs> is this nonfeasance or is this, this malfe- misfeasance or is this malfeasance? Right. And all of those have really, really bad implications, they knowingly like you can't tell me that you didn't know that this how this was going to go. And you couldn't tell me that when they were 20 minutes in to sit there and say, well, yeah, just give it five more minutes. Like, no, this isn't what we do. This is a quote from the U.S. News and World Report. Um, I love this so much. Sedgwick County spokesperson said in a news release that the county believes the man was given, quote, competent and appropriate care. And, quote, the county and city of Wichita have hired an attorney to appeal the board's decision. You got to be kidding me. This well, is, that's that's just to cut down the amount of zeros at the end of the check. Let's be honest. I mean, God, yeah. And that's so. And again, of course, we're going to never admit that we did something wrong. But here's a nice check. And I'm sure you're going to like the amount of zeros at the end. Mm-hmm. of it. Yep, you'll be very happy for this. And don't ever talk about this again. <laughs> we'll never we'll never discuss it again. Um, yeah, and I, I'm I'm on Sedgwick's website website right now. Dr. Gallagher is still on the front page as the director and medical director. Again, Mean, meanwhile, this, we've got a bunch of medics who got sanctioned who are going to carry that for their entire career. Any job they go to, they're going to have to report that. Anytime they, t- anytime they recertify, whether it's your state or your national registry, you have to check that box that says, "Have you ever been sanctioned by your licensing agency?" You have to check yes, otherwise you're falsifying your application. This is going to carry them forever. On Sedgwick County EMS's website. Because they listened to their medical director and their medical director led them wrong. So this is uh, SedgwickCounty.com. There's a field on the website. How does the EMS system work? 
Sedgwick County takes an integrated approach to ensure residents and visitors receive the highest quality service 24 hours a day is a quote that is on their website as we're recording this on April 1st. Um, I don't doubt that. No, but I'm sure that's a, their this goal. This is a titanic fuck up. Yeah, I'm sure that their goal is to do that. But I think the <laughs> the evidence think in front try, of us. And I think is, they tried to do the right thing here. Yeah. But where so they went is, into goddamn vapor lock, I can't. Yeah. So this yeah. is the important thing, right? This is the reason that we're discussing this. This is not, as Dan said, this is not malice. This isn't, you know, a group of people in Kansas who are just, you know, out for blood, who are very not excited for all. people to die. That's not the case at all. As a matter the, of fact, I sympathize. I feel horrible yeah, for them. I think this is terrible. Because I've, I think they were trying all, to do the right thing. All the staff and they, were, that's, they were guided wrong. Yeah, all the staff that's on scene is, like, you're right, they're going to carry this for the rest of their career. Yep. And probably the rest of their lives. It's going to be like, oh, that one time, right? And that's awful. And this this is a, the reason that it's important to talk about is that it is a systemic failure from the top down. And the accountability falls on the people who were ordered to do things by their medical director. Which, I mean, fine. But if you're going to order that your medics and EMTs don't do anything, then you, then gotta you take also the fall have to be accountable for it. You have to take the fall for it. And 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 listen, like I, th- this physician is a very well known physician nationally. And if the concern, Ooh, yeah. and if the concern comes up, like, well, what what would happen, right? Like, what would happen if he, if he had to leave this position? What would happen? He would find another director spot. There's he, a million. Or, or there's plenty of places where he can work as a physician. It's not like there's... Listen, my my mother always used to say, you'll never find a PhD working in Burger King. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, for the most part, she wasn't wrong. No, plenty of PhD candidates, though. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> true. True, 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 true. Being, being but, a doctoral student is expensive. I mean, I get that, but... but this guy's not going to, you know, look, maybe his malpractice insurance is going to take a hit, but he's going to be able but to practice. What about, but the it's guy, not because he's not, he's not involved in the, him. What about the medic who trusted him, who yeah. now cannot practice as a paramedic, who's out of the job. And let's be honest, what the hell else are we trained for? I mean, yeah. What's this guy doing? Well, that's the other thing. It doesn't, yeah, was he it, working it, at the truck stop? Was he like making sandwiches at the Wawa? They'd, I, oh my God! Imagine if they had Wawa's in Kansas. That'd be awesome. I don't know. Do they? I wonder. I don't. Hey, know. Kansas! If you're they listening don't. in Kansas, let us know. Put what's us, what's know. the what's the equivalent to a uh, convenience store in Delhi? They're gonna say Seven Eleven. Sheets Circle K. Oh, maybe Circle K. Circle K. I don't I know. wonder. Maybe possibly. Anyone but, in Kansas, let us know what your favorite convenience store is because we've been having convenience store wars over here in New Jersey. Yeah. So and but again, this is and, bullshit. Right, and I just because we can't clarify this enough. This is a a this is a thing that didn't have to happen. And that's kind of the core, I think, of our argument here, where there's a hundred things that happened in this case that were in entirely avoidable. Like none of this had to go on. Again, multiple places reporting that the hospital was five minutes away from the location. Five minutes. Yeah. And this patient ended up dying ten and a half hours. And after I usually this hate that term of "we're only five minutes from the hospital." No, but they're but actually case, five you're minutes literally away. Literally five goddamn minutes from the hospital. And that's like, I don't even dis- Yes, I usually hate that too because the whole like I have a problem with the load and go philosophy. Let's sure, get them I there do fast. Too. Hate it. You know, we've talked about the threshold of the ER not being a magical portal into you know a, a magic world of healing. But but for the love of all that's holy, this is the time to do it. I I have I've heard talks and presentations given about pre-hospital hospice great i'm i'm 
totally on board. And I think there's a role for it. Yes. But not now. Right. Not on this not case. Not in this, and in, in this very specific case. You're going to tell me that this was an, a cancer patient that was at home, hospice sure. couldn't get to them, and sure. you called your medical director, and the medical director's like, you know what? Here's the meds. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to come out and help you. We're yep. going to get this person through the dying process. I'd be clapping my hands and saying, what a great job. Publish it. Please share this case. Right. No problem with that. This no problem it. with it. This ain't that it. That is not this case. This ain't it. And that's that's really where the problem is. I, I Sedgwick has a, a good progressive program with the exception of this black mark. And, and the thing that sucks is this is going to be what people this are going to remember thing. from them. This is going to be the thing. All the shit... All the shit that they've done in the past, all the great stuff, is now wiped out. It's gone. Yeah, this and that's I used to have. I used to have a boss that said, you know, like one oh shit gets rid of ten thousand attaboys, and yeah, they ain't wrong. That's it. Parkland Hospital, yeah. is one of the most progressive hospitals in the country, and it's known for its burn formula. And that Kennedy died there. That's it. That's it. And it's a gigantic institution. Yeah. And it's those two things. This is what you're going to be remembered. This is for. what this is what Sedgwick is going to carry around forever. So and certainly the people that so are coming involved up on in it. So coming up on a hard out. Yeah. What are the takeaways from this episode of what the actual? I. In EMS, we are fortunate to have a lot of very intelligent, very well educated, very forward thinking medical directors. More so in the past 10 years than we've had ever. That's a good point. So that's very exciting. I think that the progress progress we're making as pre-hospital providers is it used to be exponential. Now it's logarithmic. I think that we're growing much, much faster as a practice. And I do think that, you know, pre-hospital hospice is, it, it, I mean, it is a thing in some programs. And I think it's important to keep that going. I think this is a systemic failure mm -hmm. in one particular instance where at every available opportunity the wrong decision was made and this is like this is this is the swiss cheese model of errors right yeah it, ju it just yeah, happened wow. that's good one. it just happened that all the holes aligned and everything went wrong and that sucks and that fucks up a lot of things for a lot of people yeah i think that and this is the thing so typically when a mistake like this happens you want the answer to be learned from it, right? How do you fix problems? You can, the only thing you can ever do is learn from them, grow, and evolve. Mm -hmm. The problem that I have with that is that's implying that learning and growing and evolving from this is that you didn't know that a not-dead person should go to the hospital. That's, like, that's the thing I can't get past, is that somehow... Yeah, that's got to be a question on the test. If you don't get that right, it's like... right. Like, all right, like you, the, you, you can't do this. Anymore. There's there, like and I and we've had this conversation about cardiac arrests over the years and whatever. Cardiac arrest patients, I'm 100 percent for working them on scene. We've talked about this Agreed. with many different people, many yeah. different physicians. I'm 100 percent on board that. with that. Do CPR on scene. That's not what this is. That's just this. Like it, this is it's, it's, I don't I, I can't even call it negligence. Like it, it is. But I feel like negligence implies that you were purposely being like you were purposely withholding care. That's not what they did. I think they were trying to do something and it just spiraled out of control. If in a hundred cases like this, ninety nine of them, nothing wrong happens. This patient expires on scene, you write your chart, you move on. Yeah. The problem is this is the one. And in this one particular case, 
And this, this is what I want everyone to take away from this. This one particular case where everything went wrong, it also happened to be recorded. Yeah. Because the police officers on scene had body cameras. Yep. So this is why... You are always on stage. This is why it's important for body cameras to be out there so we know how things go. Yeah. Right? I understand HIPAA violations, whatever. Doesn't count, but, this, but we can... Yeah, yeah. So, but for me, this was a systemic failure. Everything that could have gone wrong did, and... My biggest objection to it is the person who was directing it. Nothing's going to happen to him. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to change. There's people whose lives and careers have been very negatively affected by this, and the guy who directed them to do those things that's going to negatively affect their careers is probably going to walk. It ha- nothing happens to them, mm-hmm. and that is that is just fucking gross to me. I agree. Here's my two takeaways. This is what I want. If you're an EMT, I don't care if you're a brand new EMT, one day on the job. I don't care if you're a med, brand new medic. I don't care if you're a medic student. I don't care if you're an EMT student. First and foremost, if something doesn't feel right, it isn't. Speak up, okay? There's plenty of formulas you can use. Anything more than can say, hey, guys, this is wrong. We need to do something, okay? that Think about how many situations would have been resolved if one person just said, stop. Yeah. We're not thinking this through. And you had had three hours to do that. Right. At any point, if they said, you know what? This didn't work. This is not working. We need to stop this. This is out of our expertise. We We are out of options. We're taking them to the hospital. Nothing would have happened. At best... It would have been a training thing. It would have been a QA thing. Yep. It would have been a clinical education thing. Like, okay, we probably should have pulled the trigger on leaving earlier. Hey, in the future, you should in take the future. shootings to the hospital. Number two, if something's not working clinically and you're not getting the result you think you're, you should get, you need to change what you're doing. We talk yep. about this with airway management. The, the, the road to insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This was insanity. We were expecting this patient to die. He didn't die. We kept medicating him because we thought he was going to die. And then he kept not dying. And he kept not dying. The nerve. So nothing changed. We, we, you, we were expecting a different outcome, and it didn't happen. And we see this all the time in our profession. The stubbornness and the hubris of us that we think we're that good. I'm going to keep trying to intubate this person because I can get that goddamn tube. Yeah. I don't care that the SPO2 is 45. I, I know it's not a STEMI. I know this guy's bullshit because I've seen him five days this week. Right. And every time I saw him, it was bullshit. I'm not doing a 12 lead. And that's when he's got the inferior wall MI and dies on you. Stop it. Mm-hmm. We're not as good as we think we are. Even the best clinicians should be in the back of their mind should be skeptical about what they're seeing. Absolutely. And I also, you know, this is this is the kind of thing where my my first concern always comes to is there a possibility? And I, I hate I hate doing this stuff because I, I feel like I sound like Glenn Beck. It's like, is Ew. it I know, right? Like, is it possible? You know, but I, I wonder is it did it originate because you had people who thought it was gonna be a pronouncement, was going to be an easy chart. And then it didn't turn out that way. And then they tried to make it into an easier chart than it was going to be. And that is... Confirmation I, I, bias. I understand how cynical and terrible that is. But that I 
to say that that's not a concern in cases like this is kidding yourself. If you are going to say that you don't think that providers go to obvious pronouncements excited that their chart's going to be easy, you're lying to yourself. And I, I really worry that, that that type of anticipation of not having to work very hard metastasized Laziness into this longer thing. in this profession thing. will eventually screw you to the wall. Absolutely. Yep. You can you can dodge something on one time, you can dodge it a hundred times, but I guarantee you one of the times it's gonna catch you. Yeah. One out of one hundred. You're better off just writing the goddamn chart yeah. than blowing it off and, and turfing it to a BLS unit and finding out they have a heart attack. Because you know what? That chart's gonna take you a half an hour to write. But you know what? When you don't do it and you blow it off, okay. You're going to be in the medical director's office. You're going to be answering emails out your ass. You're going to be all over the place. You're going to spend 8 to 10 to 12 hours, depending on what they want you to do, which pro- and probably a training program, which is another 8 hours on your day off, mm-hmm. just to get over the fact that you didn't want to do a half-hour goddamn chart. Stop it. And if you think that that's the way you should run EMS, do yourself a favor. Go work at the sub shop. You're going to save yourself tons of aggravation. You're going to save yourself tons of embarrassment. And let's be honest, we don't get paid that much. Yeah. There's a million things that you can do if, if you're, it, and this is kind of getting off on a tangent from it, but there's a million things that you can do if you don't want to do EMS, if you don't want to do the job. There's a bunch of other things. And just, you know, there's, when when we were doing background on this, we- World needs plenty of bartenders. Exactly. Especially now, right? Um, we When we were doing background on this and we got, there's- the the general opinion it seems to be is that again this is a systemic failure from the top down and it's very um not in the character of most of the people that were involved um agreed we're danny and i are not reporters but we we did we did, we did a lot more background on a on, on an episode of what the actual than we would normally do but so yep. essentially this is this is just a concern like this is something that we can all learn from um it's something we can all grow from all of this stuff is going to be in the show notes Please, if you are in Kansas, if you know people that are, tell us that we're wrong. Like I'm, I, I I'm want praying to hear we that. got it wrong. I, I, I want, I'm praying all these media outlets got it wrong. Yeah, I want to be incorrect about this. If you're in the Wichita area, if you work with these people that are involved, please send us an email over on productions at gmail.com. Leave a message. Find us on Twitter, Twitter at overrun EMS, send it, whatever, all the other things. Overrun Productions, Instagram, Instagram, all that Facebook, stuff. Facebook. Just like, but like, let us know. And this isn't a shameless plug for all of our social media. I, in this context, I don't care about that. I want to hear what you guys think about this. I, I want to know what could have been done differently and the things that we don't know about it. Because I'm, I am more than happy to do a follow-up episode and be like, we were wrong about this. I've never Our wanted bad. to be more I, wrong about right, an episode will, in my life. I will apologize to everyone involved personally. I will do it on air. I will write letters. But if we're not... Then it's something that we have to evaluate as a system, and it's something as a practice and as a profession we have to get through. And on that note, for the overrun, I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Schwester. And thanks for listening. Let us know what you guys think. We'll talk to you next time. Get home safe.